five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello and welcome to episode 0307 of Colourful Radio's weekly news review show. We call it Five in the Eye as we flag down five stories that have caught our eye over the past week, park them up in a lay-by, open up their bonnets and have a look inside. I'm Phil Woodford in London. This is me, Michael O'Hajuru, joining Phil via Zoom this week and revealing that our top story is going to be Dominic Cummings. (laughs) And his electrifying testimony about about the Commons Committee... (laughs) before the Commons Committee earlier this week, is there anybody he didn't castigate? It's fantastic. I'm looking forward to discussing that one. Five in the eye. And for story number two, have you had people phoning, texting or emailing you to try to get money or information? Police have this week arrested a number of people pretending to be from Royal Mail in a scam they call smishing. A a feel-good story at number three this week. As workers left the UK following Brexit, and people changing their priorities during lockdown, hospitality businesses are struggling to find staff as we open up again. And that, and that means wages are rising in cities like Manchester. What's story number four? Well, the Chinese government seems so worried about the young environmental activist Greta Thunberg that state media outlets have started fat-shaming her. But she hasn't let it get her. And finally this week, yeah, have you ever been left with a vital ingredient for something you're cooking. A lemon, perhaps. We'll order it over delivery and I'll be with you in a jiffy. Or with a modest four-quid delivery fee. Make it two lemons to get real value for money. <laughs> and that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. We have to kick off with Dominic Cummings and that seven hours, seven-hour marathon expose to the House of Commons Committee. And it was just, it was so, it was a fire hose of news. Any one of those exposures would have made the headlines from the from the fact that, that Johnson responsible for tens of thousands of deaths, the fact that, that Hancock lied consistently wanting him sacked, that the Department of Health had no plan or that they had no effing plan, as you said. There was so much that was revealed. And for me, it just became too much, Phil. I'm sorry. There was there was a there seemed to be an agenda there. Because he was he was shooting all the time at Hancock and, and Johnson. That lovely kind of said, Johnson was not fit for government. Hang on a sec. He chose you to be part of his government. So I'm sorry, you done. And he says, the system's wrong because you've got a system that, that brings up Jeremy Corbyn and uh, Boris Johnson's choice. There's something wrong with the system. And then he has a go at the civil servants. You know, this was a man who was, he was at the center of power. Then he was, he was, he was de- denying it. Not denying he was in power, but de- de- casting, de- rubbishing everyone around him. My thing, Phil, I'll, 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 I'll let you come in now, Phil, is the, the fact that he had an agenda. He wanted Brexit. That was his vision. And he was a, sing- he was a single issue, a single issue man, single issue party. And, and the COVID, he didn't have the tools. He, did, he said to himself, I wasn't technical enough. I didn't understand the technology or the requirements. The man, okay, I'm going to say he disgraced himself and he's almost made him irrelevant, totally irrelevant. So I think, move on, nothing going on here. Welcome to being in government. Yeah, Dominic Cummings. Well, I mean, what can you say? I don't take to the guy. Um I, he, I think he he's pretty Machiavellian. I, I saw I saw him as a kind of Rasputin in the court of Tsar Boris, 
Um, and, uh, you know, that was the kind of role that he played in government. And that was one of the reasons, I think, why other government ministers and Tory MPs dislike him so vehemently. It's also the reason why, in my view, Boris Johnson is perfectly safe and Matt Hancock are perfectly safe because yeah. Tory MPs um, hate Dominic Cummings more than they hate Hancock or Johnson. Exactly. And it all comes back to about, about po- po- <laughs> politics. It's about personalities. And clearly, Cummings has a personality problem. He does. He's, 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 his, his finger is not on the pulse of the Tory party. It's on the, it's on the pulse of Dominic Cummings and, and Brexit, definitely. And he's done that you know, top. You can't, you can't criticise him for that job. But in terms of understanding the politics, literally the politics of making things happen in, within, our, within our parliamentary system, you know, which is not a What Cummings is, he, he's a campaigning and election strategist, essentially, right? He he managed to um, hold together that vote leave coalition to a point where it won through, uh, well, you know, we, you know, through fair means or foul, they managed to win that referendum. And then wow. he. What about that well, book? Where's my £350 million pounds a week for the NHS? Well, and, 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 when, and then. I thought he actually, you know, was he outmaneuvered, um, he outmaneuvered Labour incredibly well in the run up to the 2019 general uh, general election. And basically that played out absolutely to Cummings's playbook. Mm. And so there's no doubt in my mind, the guy has a brain for um, reading uh, kind of political runes and seeing how public opinion is going and that mm. kind of thing. I don't think he's the kind of guy any more than Boris Johnson is who you'd want to have in charge of a major world crisis, you know? I mean, because, I, what, what, what's it, it's all about, that's the word, crisis, the chaos. It's managing chaos and, and doing it successfully. Some some people were arguing, I think it was the Guardian, was arguing that, that Johnson thrives on chaos, he manages that chaos, and and, it, it, and he sees what happened. And he, and, he, and he, what was it? There was a, okay. Dominic Dominic gave Dominic uh, Cummings gave an analogy of him in, in the, the um, supermarket trolley, barging down the trolley from one side to another, collecting any story, listening to, responding to anything the Daily Telegraph. This must, this, this must be Waitrose at the very least, mustn't it? Rather, it's not. It's <laughs> oh, not. It's Marks not Astus, and Spencer. Come on, this is Marks and Spencer. Definitely. Come on. It's certainly not. It's definitely not little. Definitely not little. No, I think, you know, any one of those stories would have brought down any other government or any other, any other prime minister. But it, there was such, as I say, a fire hose of them. And they came with such ire, is that the word, ire? <laughs> such bile that, you know, they kind of reduced it, you know, kind of move on, nothing going on here. You know, you, you know, you know my, my theory, Michael, and, you know, I've been developing this, for some time now, there there is a rock solid Tory vote of forty percent plus, right? And we can see that in the polls. And these people are voting Tory. It doesn't matter how many people die. It doesn't matter how many crony contracts were were, were handed out. It doesn't matter how what how much of a fiasco there was over the PPE. It doesn't matter about the care homes. What about these people do. These people do not care. What about ministers lying? Come on, Phil. You've got to have some you know, sense of decency. No, I mean, there's, there's a hardcore, there's a hardcore Tory voters who have seen everything. I mean, you know, this we we know what's gone on. Um, we've had 125,000, 130,000 people die. Uh, we we've had you know all 
the stuff about the late lockdowns. We've had all the all the madness of the last year, and they still support Boris Johnson. We saw that during the local elections. I don't think anything Dominic Cummings but, but Phil, said Phil, is going to change that dynamic. Are you saying to me? Well, I, I, hopefully, in agreement here, there's nothing. This is not going to change anything. What I don't think this, it will. No, no, not he said. If anything, for Matt Hancock. Um, his position is more secure because um, the Johnson cannot be seen now to turn around second because Cummings was asking for him to be sacked. So he, Matt Hancock, must be good for another six months or a year, surely. And you know, you think no, but then Phil, this is—I guess this is politics in the raw. We can just see it now, and it's—we talk about it's not—it's—it's it's politics, not personalities. Uh-uh. It's personalities. It's personalities. It's, it's the bonhomie after dinner speaking of Johnson. That, you know, unites the nation, flattens the sombrero. Yes, I'll t- you know, inject me with COVID. You have to say, of all the stuff that came out there, that was casually thrown in, was it? Like Johnson joking supposedly about Chris Whitty injecting him with COVID to prove that yeah. there was no, it was no threat. I mean, this is a scene. This is a scene of complete insanity at the heart of government, isn't it? And uh, Cummings has painted that picture very, very vividly. I don't think it's going to make one iota of difference to uh, to the polls or to any future election. Live in the eye. Well, for story number two this week, uh, we are going to talk about scamming. And um, I've got a bit of a personal story to tell us this week because one of my daughters uh, received a call from some guy purporting to be from HMRC and he was laying it on really thick about how she owed tax and she had to pay some outlandish sum of money and everything. Now, you'd think that scamming is a kind of thing that elderly people, you know, maybe fall in, you know, fall into the trap of, of um, believing. But, you know, my my daughter's got her head screwed on. She's a university student, but she doesn't know much about the tax system. She was thinking, oh, could I have done something wrong? Maybe, maybe I have. You know, she's an honest kid. Um, and this went backwards and forth. They were trying to solicit information. Unfortunately, I think she did give some information, but thankfully not any uh, anything very uh, sensitive. And she, obviously the big thing, was she didn't give them any money. Uh, but I was really quite annoyed about this. And I complained uh, on her behalf to the police. Um, and there's a, there's a website called Action Fraud. Um, also, um, you, the H, uh, she complained to HMRC and just let them know what was going on. But this week, it's come to the fore, hasn't it, Michael? Because the police actually had a crackdown on people who were pretending to be from the Royal Mail. Uh, and contacting people about supposedly undelivered, supposed undelivered uh, parcels and so on. That's an, uh, on the one hand, at the higher level, I can blame Brexit for this. Bear with me, Phil, bear with me. Things coming into the country now have to have tax paid on, many of them have to have ta- tax paid on them. So they haven't, they, you need to go and pay that tax. And on the surface, it seems right that you, 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 you've, or, or something's coming from abroad, you've got to pay for it. I used to get this for stuff from America all the time that you'd have to pay the uh, import duty on it. So on the surface, it's, it, it would seem right. But, but these guys are exploiting the fact that in Brexit, there's much more of it now. 
there's much more of it. And it's, it's, and it's, it's, and it also you got to, you got to throw in the, the people who don't put the right, right stamp, like normal stamps on, 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 on a parcel or something. Again, you have to pay for it. So on the surface, these stories are quite compelling, acceptable. But then, you know, we, we, and these things are transparent, Phil, because when, when these, they ask you to phone some site or you ask you to connect to some site and you can immediately see it's Royal Mail. But in that immediately, that means you're looking for it. If you're not, like, 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 like your daughter, and if it, you, you, you've, you've, you have some sense of, I've got to get, I've got to get this sorted, you, you, you're taken in by it. And I think this, this is something, this is a skill. I think that we need to be teaching at, at, at schools. They're actually doing this in Finland now. You know, how to interact on, on, on uh, how to understand phishing. And also, on, on Finland, they, they, they also do work on social media, understanding how social media and kind of fake news. But, but that's a separate thing. The phishing thing is something that's very real and has to be addressed. I think it has to be taught. People just be, you know, how not or how to, to be suspicious when, when they see these things or what to see from a proper one. Well, so, I mean, I, I, I've, one of my general rules that I try to follow is that if people come asking you for personal information and they've contacted you, there's something not right about it. You know, yeah. if I if if I contact them and they want security details, that that's fine. But you know, my broadband provider, Virgin Media, they phone me to try and sell me stuff, and they they start off with their patter, and then before you know it, it's, can I just do a few security checks? Answer: No. You phone me. Okay, if you're not happy with who I am, put the phone down. Um, <clears throat> so I never go along with that now. I want to give you another example of something that troubled me, though, Michael. My mum, who's pretty elderly, mm. she was getting texts that seemed to be from the NHS, and it was asking her to, to give things like her date of birth and, and, and so on in response. And I told her at the time, look, this is probably phishing or smishing, as they call it, because it's SMS phishing, smishing. Um and I told her to delete it. It turned out that she's got another one of these things recently, and it was the NHS, and they were trying to cancel an appointment. And she went to the hospital, and the appointment was cancelled. I think it's really bad practice. I don't think the NHS should be texting old people and asking them to enter personal information like their, their date of birth in order to cancel an appointment. I think you're 100% correct there, Phil. But I, I guess your mum ticked the form to say how she should be contacted. Yeah, and maybe she didn't realize what she was doing because it's it's so easy to do, and it's such a small screen. Information is tight; it's often um, truncated, so you know you have to translate it a little bit. You know, so I think that that that, that, that that's a real problem as far as as a text message is concerned, and I guess it's almost a generational thing. The the younger people now are used to these the text messages and 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 the vocabulary that they're in. They're used to it. So no, that, that, that that's well. I have to on the same on the same on the same um, principle. At least once, how can I say once every two weeks, I get a, a phone call from the from the the revenue office. They're about to take me to court. I get mm. this disembodied voice telling me that this is the Her Majesty's Re- Revenue Collection Services. We're about to take you to court <laughs> if you don't. And it just goes. It's a recorded voice and go, invite me to call this number. Yeah. Now the first time I heard, it, I listened to it all the way through, and it was total nonsense. You know, <laughs> just, just asking me to them to call me. No, uh-uh. so you know, I, I did my research and I find that um, there's, there's a line you can you can just send the message to. You can send that mm. text message to whatever or that number to. 
and it's it's spam or 7726. If you look on your phone, if you type out spam and send that number to 7726, they'll collect it and, and, and the, the prosecuting people. You know, well, just like- what, what, one worrying trend though, Michael, is that the ability of these people to spoof numbers. And this, again, with my daughter, first of all, she's contacted on a mobile. Eventually she put the phone down on this guy after a very long conversation, apparently, which worried me. She put the phone down on the guy. Immediately she started getting calls from a landline. This landline appeared to be a genuine number related to the court service, okay? And these people are spoofing. I went to the court service website and there's a notice that says, we're aware of people doing this, spoofing the number. Um, and, you know, why is it impossible? You used to work in telecoms. Uh, I'm just going to ask you this. Why, what, how is it possible for people to give the appearance of a call coming from one number that it doesn't actually come from? Can't that be stopped? It's all call. Well, the short time, yes, it can be stopped, but call redirected, it's a feature of the system. Mm. You know, you can, that's a service you can provide that, from one, that appears to be in one place, but given from another. So you can be in New York, but have a London number. So those things, those are valuable services that enable people to do business or, or, le- or legitimate business. Nevertheless, there's some people who who, who abuse the system, and and the, the the issue is they'll get caught because all these numbers are trackable, traceable. You know, it's not as you know because these are services within the system. The issue is how quickly they're caught, and how because these people move on very quickly. So just like a mobile phone. You can buy that number or you have that number for a while and then you get rid of it, go and buy another number. Mm. You just keep on moving. And the police and the authorities are, are chasing these numbers. So it's not to say they can't be taught, but, but, but they're chasing them. I guess it's just incumbent on us to be diligent. Okay, that's a very flippant thing to say. You should listen harder. But then it, 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 who is it coming from? You know, when you look at that number when it comes through to you, it's a number you recognize. Are these people you know? Is this a service that you want? You know, you've got to ask yourself all these questions. And I'm, and I'm going to come down to the point now where when my phone rings, it's either it's either a good friend of mine, not you, Phil, other people, no, a good friend who knows me, or some random person selling me a service. It's one or the other. There's no, no there's nothing in between now because the service has been abused so much. The real people, the real services, you know, like my bank doesn't phone me or, or none of my banks phone me. They, they use email to contact me. So I'm, I'm not saying email is not, is, is, is not without its faults, but at least you got the time to reconsider and, have a, and to reflect, reflect on it. So what am well, I saying is suspect every call. Well, five in the eye will never call you and ask for money, even though we probably should because the show is so good, but we'll never call you and ask for money. Five in the eye. Story number three is an, as, as a surprise to some, but expected by many. It's about the shortage of staff in the hospitality sector. Because people really don't want to go back to these jobs. And we can see there's a, there's a story in the Manchester Evening News this week. And I'll read you the headline. It says, there are barely enough staff to run Manchester's pubs and restaurants and wages are surging as hospitality recruitment turns into a battleground. Recruitment turns into a battleground. That's because people don't want to do the job or people have got alternatives. They've been at home for a while and they've seen there's another side to life because the hospitality, the hospitality industry is very demanding, long hours for very little pay. And then when you layer on the fact that many of, these, many of the people in the sector are, are, uh, are from abroad, from Spain, Italy and elsewhere, that they've gone back home because of Brexit. 
So we've almost got a perfect storm here in terms of Brexit has reduced the work the, the, the workforce, and then the, but the workforce has found out there are other jobs which which pay just as little. And my page is not ways not great, but I get more time to spend a whole with, with with my family. So this this seems to be inevitable that um, that there's a reckoning now in the hospitality sector. And I don't know about you, Phil, but I find that you know I I I I, I, I never think that the the waitress needs to. Well, I, I tip them, but you know it's a job. Get on with it. But when you think about it, Phil, these people, it's a hard job. It's hard, yeah, I mean, long I... hours. You know, I, I do. By, um, I, 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 I do tip. Um, I do tip because I think a lot of the the waitresses and waiters they rely on the tips to top up what is otherwise a very miserable kind of income. To be honest, and so unless the service is particularly bad, I mean, if I would I'd refuse to tip if the service was terrible. But um, most most of the time I would. And um, I mean, I, I I think that the slightly surprising thing about this is you know we might think that the story of lockdown would be that well people have lost their jobs there's a bigger pool of unemployed people around they might have lost their jobs in other sectors or they might be on furlough and thinking is my job actually going to come back in September or whatever and and maybe you'd think there would be a supply of labor of people who'd worked in other industries who would come into hospitality but it is very demanding um probably the hospitality uh, uh places are you know looking for people who have relevant experience um in that kind of service culture fast-paced service um and so they are the the, the, pri- the price of labor is being forced up it's a classic market mechanism here um and so if I can't find people to run my restaurant, I go to some people who are in, who work in a restaurant down the road, and I say, "Look, I'm going to up your wages by twenty percent if you come, if you come and work for me." And this is great news, great news for the employees. You wonder how much good news it is for the restaurants and cafes and bars that have struggled through COVID, and maybe um, are hoping now against hope that they can mm. recover. No, I think you make a great point there. This is where the bosses, you know, we think that they're having such a good time making all this money in the past from 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 the from the workers. Now it's the other way around. Now the workers say we've had enough. You know, you're not paying us enough. It's not worth you know, it's not it's not worth it in terms of my my the, my, my home life and how I live to come and work for you. But at the same time, that boss has to make a living. It's his, he, he's, he has a family to feed as well. So as I say, it's a perfect storm in terms of the government need to step in here and trying to work something out. You know, what does that mean? Well, they put the furlough in place. Okay, can, can they extend that? Can they, can they look at uh, the um, the hospitality sector and, and inject some cash into it in some way? Because you look at uh, the, the Cornwalls and the... Um, uh, the holiday center of this world where where they're often they these are seasonal workers and if those seasonal workers aren't in there then that business is in jeopardy because they got they literally don't have enough staff to run the place so this is this is this is uh, this is almost like a, an, an existential threat to the hospitality industry in terms of if they're not bringing these um these these these, uh, these workers back and and paying them a wage so again, coming back to government, maybe this this this, this living wage needs to be t- t- taken into account. We need to look at that now and say, do, do, do you need to address that? But if, having said that, I think market forces will overtake the the, the living wage, and uh, the, the the staff can come back. The, the, the staff the the staff will find their own level, or literally vote with their feet, and, or find where, find where, where they can get 
paid what they think they're worth. You know, I, I think this is a, 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 as I say, a story of COVID and Brexit together. That, that kind of per, the perfect mix. It's that fa- famous mix of Brovid. <laughs> Brovid. Oh, very witty film. Brovid, the Brovid factor. You know, and, and it's not easy to know. As I say, the government needs to set, has to help out here. Maybe um, reduce the visa requirements or the, the options for bringing people from overseas. If they can't, if 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 they can't find the staff locally, just make it a little easier to bring people in. So that, that, that that's at least one way the, the government can help can can help this sector. So no, it's, I don't think it's this, and I, and I don't think this problem is going to go away anytime soon, because those people have found a new way of living. Thanks thanks to COVID, they've got a family life. Five in the eye. Our fourth story this week is about the young environmental activist. Greta Thunberg, uh, who we all know from the media, she was a catalyst uh, for that big environmental push uh, pre-COVID, a real superstar um, or in terms of bringing to everybody's attention the, 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 the crisis with the climate. The Chinese uh, government doesn't seem to be a fan of Greta, Michael, because um, in an article published in Chinese state media, and of course, you know, the, the 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 media that is in the kind of orbit of the Chinese government doesn't publish anything unless it's sanctioned by the the Politburo or or the or the or the press chiefs and what have you. Um, they described her as an environmental princess, and they mocked her for her weight. Um, they were pointing out the fact she was a bit chubby. So this is was was. Allegedly, the Chinese government fat shaming Greta, as she replied very bravely and boldly. She said, "Being fat shamed by by a Chinese state-owned media is pretty weird experience, even by my standards, but it's definitely going on my resume." Uh, so Greta wasn't it wasn't uh, wasn't taking this line down, was she? No, I, I think I think the Chinese government got it all wrong now, wrong way because you can't shame anybody anymore. We're through that now. This. And I think the ultimate, you know, what um, Trump, no shame about anything. So the, the, the standard for shame internationally has got, I was going to say, gone high, low. I don't know, is it higher or lower? You know, the, 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 you can't insult these people now. I think the, the, the Chinese government are being old school because, you know, because that, that implies she thinks she cares about her weight. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a problem, mate. it's your problem. Why, why, are the Chi- why are the Chinese so scared of young Greta, given that they supposedly, if you believe their own PR, they're supposedly doing great things for green uh, for green energy and the environment and so on, aren't they? I think it's about how they believe they've got, they've got an image abroad and they want to cultivate an image. But I, I, I think, again, I think it, it, it's duplicitous in the sense that they've lost the plot, you know, this image, image, people know who you are now, and you got this attacking someone on a personal basis. I was going to say it's old school. It just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work today. We've just had Max Mosley sadly die recently. I remember, remember he was the the Nazi with the with the, the uh, you know, wore that Nazi uniform with the prostitutes, and the Daily Mail exposed him. And he said, okay, no problem. <laughs> he took them to court because it was in his, in his own home, private, none of your business, mate. So it's a case of, you know, nowadays, you know, this kind of uh, brazen it out, they used to say. 
you know, back and they brace now. But you know, it's like, you don't even need to do that now because nobody's. I think who's interested? Who who cares how how fat or thin Greta is? Does it concern anybody? You know, China get real. Five in the eye. But our final story this week, Phil. This is up your street here. This is this is you in the, the the leafy suburbs of Richmond, where you've suddenly you've run out of that lemon, that lemon zest for your for your cocktail or your bit of pastry. So you've got to send out down the road. The shop's two hundred meters from your house, but you've got to send. You've got to get one of these zap people or so Deliveroo for four quid to deliver your. You have 35p so, so, lemon. Yeah, 35p lemon, uh, lemon plus four quid delivery for four equals, quid. That, that, equals a £4.35 lemon, doesn't it, Michael? There's no that, question about that. I can do the maths, Phil. I can do the maths. So, But, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a bigger thing at stake here because all these leafy suburb millenniums. Is that right, me? Millenni- millennials. Millennials. You know, they're all about saving the planet and the Earth resources. Come on. Said, you know... Getting someone to bike you, get your 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 yeah. lemon or your 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 bottle of prosecco or your or your your bag of crisps or that that thing you must have. Yeah, you must have it now. Just walk yourself down to the local co-op and pick it up yourself. Is what we Do, would say. Isn't I it, remember back in the day, the adverts used to be for um for for credit cards. As access was takes the waiting out of wanting. Well, you, you kind of, you've, you've blown that statement up. I want it now. Yeah. You know, I want it now. And at any price. At any, I saw people were actually ordering um, coffees, lattes, cappuccinos. What, to their home? To their home. So oh, at the no. £2.85 £2. cappuccino from Starbucks, that, that'll be £7, please. Oh no, no! You might as well fly to you might as well fly to Switzerland and try and buy coffee in Geneva. I mean, what's what's the point playing these outlandish prices? Uh, well, the for, you know, I want it all. I want it now. Is this, are these people with more money than sense, though, Michael? Is that what it is? No, I, it's, I, it's, I, to do, it's to do with a kind of, like, you know, at the root of this, surely must be people who are incredibly affluent that they can afford all this. Incredibly, little, no, no, I, I suspect these are not incredibly affluent. They've just got the cash. They've got it there. You know, and you could challenge them. Are they saving up for a home? No, I'm buying four pound lemons, <laughs> and they're eating and drinking well. But are they, are they saving for a home? No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to judge. Them. Michael, you're going to cause so much. Uh, I'm not going to. Uh, so much them. controversy on social media here uh, with the, with the idea with the idea that millennials um, aren't saving for their home and they're buying lemons instead. Maybe they maybe they would say to you. I could save for 20, 25, 30 years and still not have money for a deposit. So I may as well buy the lemons. So, so that, that is remarkably cynical. I'm sorry. You know, the fact that you know, the, I can understand how they want something instantly. My, my problem with this is these shops are often 100 meters, 200 meters down the road. Mm. Or, I agree with you. Environmentally, say, yards, 200 yards for those. <laughs> in old in old money that like Those Michael, are the Michael deals with. I mean, for for, for Mike for Michael, the 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 the, um, the 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 price of the lemon is probably probably three and six or something, isn't it? <laughs> six, half a crown, half a crown. No, so it, it's a case of come on, man, come on, just 
you, you, you could pop down this job, you could be back in a few seconds. But I guess it's all about... Yeah, I mean, the environmental thing that you point out is absolutely on the money. I mean, if you if you get someone to deliver a sizable shop, that's one thing. But if they're, if they're driving around to you just with one item, I mean, for God's sake, you know, we, no one no one needs that. We don't need the pollution. Thanks very much. A sizable shop. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to challenge you, Phil. Now, have you ever... No, no, no. You don't have to answer it, Phil. You don't have to answer it. I've never ordered a lemon, no. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> oh, I think just just to, just let me finish on this. I voted from for my local co-op. I they, they did um they did they, they they would do your shopping for you. Let me see. You know, they, shop, they do the picking for you. You could collect it. And I thought that was very convenient. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the lemon I had. I had several other things. I had a, a proper shopping, and they picked it for me when I ordered. And that was very good. That was very good. So I, and I went and walked and collected it myself. Live in the eye. Well, that's it for episode 0307. I hope I hope I've made you you feel feel like a lemon for ordering your shopping by by Deliveroo. Is it Deliveroo or Deliveroo? Deliver I can never get that right. Deliveroo. Deliveroo. Go on. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you want to get in touch with us, please do visit our Facebook page during the week. And yes, we post up the stories we're, we're considering for the next show. But a mix of the serious and the quirky, a bit like us. So for now, this is me, Michael O'Hudjura, saying, if you have been, thanks for listening. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?